there was a point where you had mentioned about like the differences between us are to be celebrated and the sort of like new agey like oh we're all like one thing i feel like there can be a duality Mm. within to like yes we are all one humanity if we're like drawing circles around or like expanding the boundaries that we can consider our in-group that like yes we are all one humanity and it doesn't mean that the difference the differences between us are any more or less important but that we should acknowledge that we are all one humanity Mm. and that things would be worse off if we didn't treat each other and ourselves as such. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, I grew up listening to a lot of rebellious music. um, And also, I I think I told you at one point about the Venus project, Mm. Uh, fully automated luxury gay space. Communism is the internet has kind of, uh, taking that idea, a post-scarcity type society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jacques Fresco, the founder of the Venus Project, kind of instilled in me this idea that like war is the most wasteful thing oh, yeah. that we have ever <laughs> conceived. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think that for me, one of the reasons why I have that reducing the division question in there is because like the ultimate goal or a ultimate goal, not the ultimate goal. I have many goals. A ultimate goal is to just end war. The We're just wasting so much time and resources and life on killing each other for resources <laughs> the very resources that we're fighting over right. that we're using to destroy each other and so it's like we could instead just not <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like yeah we can be one and acknowledge our differences but also kind of accept the fact that like we are one <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, I think I think that that's a part of a part of the kind of trajectory of uh, maturation that humanity is going to have to undertake. You know, mm-hmm. is the learning to um, to separate identity and worth in a way, even in the individual. Even, mm-hmm. Like, you know, your identity is not what gives you worth. You know, what I yeah. mean? your fact of existence is what gives you worth, in my mm-hmm. opinion. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that a lot of it has to do with uh, the history of nationalism on this planet. Mm-hmm. And obviously the, uh, you know, just where the different groups of proto-humans settled and secluded <laughs> really yeah. more than anything. Um, so I think that, I think that it's, it, I think that what our challenge now is learning to see the human identity as separate from the human cultural identity in mm-hmm. a way. And understanding that one's cultural identity does not confer any worth whatsoever yeah but it also doesn't retract any worth it doesn't take away whatsoever um right i think that there's so much weight put on culture obviously like the the progressive agenda tends to like 
hyper value cultural differences necessarily but like the even just the concept of like cultural appropriation is so ridiculous to me hmm. because like how were those cultures refined into themselves hmm. to begin with right and so it's like the whole thing is an arc that we're all partaking in it's not like there is no perfectly preserved preserved specimen of a cultural idea right. because even that culture that you're describing is just a transient as well i think <laughs> I, I think and for me personally because I, I don't necessarily agree with you when it comes to the when it comes to cultural appropriation but the reason is because uh to me it's about the descendants of the colonizers taking mm. continuing to take mm. from the descendants of the colonized mm. that's where the issue is for me i mean i i don't know there was a period a long period of time where my own family because i am a quarter choctaw my father is half you know before mm -hmm. that his mother living was full blood so like we we've been here since they brought us to this state mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah um for me you know and there was um, as as more as recently as my uncle one of my uncles was beaten in school for speaking our language you know mm -hmm. so for me it's it's about people who are the descendants of colonizers coming in and trying to steal the culture that the colonized were oppressed for mm -hmm. and oppressed from, you know what I mean? We were not allowed to do our dances. We were not allowed to, to practice our religious yeah, yeah. you know, institutions and anything like that. And so for me, it's about the, the them having absolutely no right mm -hmm. to come in and take that from people like me who actually do value the cultural identity in that sure. sense. You know I mean? It's, uh, it is an important part of my life. Um, you know, because they 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 and their ancestors did not go through the things we did that gave that mm -hmm. stuff the value because it what that stuff doesn't have intrinsic value and it's not mm -hmm. something that just happened or occurred sure, sure. you know the worth that we attach to it is because of the suffering that our people have endured yeah. to earn that that's mm -hmm. i mean to me that's so that's why you know i mean especially mm -hmm. when it comes to like you know a lot of indigenous things i see uh you know white girls with dreamcatcher tattoos and things like that mm -hmm. dreamcatchers are an ojibwa spiritual tradition mm. there's not the you know this concept of like native american for me it's bullshit it doesn't exist mm -hmm. you know the the concept of native american was invented to legitimize before european contact with this continent it was it was designed to kind of frame the history the pre-european history mm -hmm. of the peoples the indigenous peoples here in what we now call as america call america as american you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's it's a false it's a false narrative to legitimize their claims to this place. So, right. Uh, sorry, Jesus. No, yeah, no, but like that's, <laughs> you know. and that's the, the distinction should be always intent. So like, mm. do you intend to like, Oh, I want a dream catcher tattoo because it's like, I think it's neat right. versus like, there is a deep cultural understanding that is within this. And I, uh, admire and appreciate the complexities within mm -hmm. and what that meaning brings to my life mm -hmm. is, you know, but there's no like committee right. in place to like decide whether or not someone's intent in their dream catcher tattoo is or isn't respectful to the original culture. True. true. <laughs> and so like the, the, 
copy pasted story that is like dances with wolves and the last samurai and mm. all of the things where it's like a cultural outsider becomes one with a different culture. Right. Like those things need to happen mm-hmm. or else like those cultures don't continue in some way. We need right. to acknowledge and appreciate the novelty mm-hmm. of each other and our differences which is kind of where this conversation began is that like we need to be able to tap into each other's cultures without thinking that like you can't make a certain kind of food because it's disrespectful it's like it doesn't i know that the point is to like appreciate and give value to the cultural touchstones of each of those identities but again there's no committee in place to like make a decision on every cultural thing that people are doing and determine whether or not this thing is good or this thing is bad and like it is a great deal of value to me to like disavow the colonizer within me (laughs) (laughs) and that's something that we can all do and kind of just disavow this conqueror that has pummeled through our identities but like the the rest of it is like i have no i was born in venezuela but i have like no direct attachment Mm -hmm. necessarily i came to the u.s when i turned six and so like I'm Venezuelan, but like I speak conversational Spanish and I enjoy the food that my parents make and I can make some of it as well. There are certain types of music that I am more open to. Mm-hmm. And like those are the parts of my Venezuelan culture that like I can acknowledge. There's a whole wealth of Venezuelan history and stuff that I don't really know about and has never been like a huge focus of my life because it, it can change me or it can't, but like in the end, I'm still in the United States right now. (laughs) And so it's like, I don't hold on to cultural identity necessarily because I don't have something to hold on to. Mm -hmm. I'm a hybrid of (laughs) cultural existence that even the place that I was born, I'm like kind of not welcome in because (laughs) I, I can't go back. I don't have a passport and I like, there's no way to like dig through paper records from Venezuela to like find a six year old boy's identity. Uh, So it's like, it's not, I'm not, okay in either space anyway Mm. and that's a a strange thing about the immigrant experience that i have nothing to hold on to except for my own experience Mm. (laughs) and so kind of because of that everything is fair game and so it's like the on the way here we were listening to clipping Mm -hmm. which is like a huge mishmash of like identities and musical styles that like 
have a lot of interesting history behind them too to create something new and interesting but like that's a part of my identity now even if i don't necessarily take part in like 70s avant-garde uh music concrete or in like 90s hip-hop mm-hmm. of the new york spaces <laughs> so like all of these things like contribute to something and we're all kind of this again like melting pot of different ideas and culture and mm-hmm. i think that's a good thing <laughs> and so we we could just accept mm-hmm. that cultures are going to intertwine we can just right. accept that cultures are going to mix and that's something to celebrate absolutely i mean and, and yeah and that's and that's going to happen and i am and i am glad for that the only thing i like as a, i mean the only thing that i would really like to see the only caveat i would really put to that is i would like to see um people giving basically each other's ancestors the credit for carrying those lines those ways of being yeah. to this point you know what i mean that to me there's something still special in that you know i know i talk about divorcing uh, cultural identity from the concept of value and things mm-hmm. uh which i mean yes but i still think you know it doesn't give you value but you can still find value in it if that yeah, makes yeah. sense um but i and i and i think that for me a lot of it really is uh the if these the individuals who often are you know uh appropriate we'll yes. say um the people who do it if they could just acknowledge what's happening mm-hmm. i would be so much more okay with it yeah um that's that's you know there's there's this this pretend i especially again new agers again new agers <laughs> are the worst um there's this thing where hippies try to convince me that it's okay for whites to have dreads because vikings had dreads and that's not true vikings had plaits plaits are completely different they're nothing like dreads they're mm-hmm. braids they're ornate braids mm-hmm. they're not matted they're not twisted and rolled to keep their shape they're not coated in you know earth to to protect your scalp from the sun mm-hmm. they're not dreads they're just not dreads mm-hmm. and so it's this false narrative where they're even going so far as to change the history that we know mm. to fit their narrative so that they can just have a hairstyle they want and like the people who have the hairstyle it means something to them and it doesn't have to mean something to everyone and i get that but i want them to acknowledge that it means something to the people they are stealing it from yes you know what i mean that's all i really want. right and that's and that's <laughs> where it goes back to intent yeah. is that like yeah. we we want to like be okay whenever i don't know like if a rap group samples some like traditional African music, even mm-hmm. though they didn't grow up with that thing in their American life, they want to acknowledge that like, hey, this is something that in some way is part of my lineage. And it's like, while they are not immediately mm, descendants of that musical culture, mm-hmm. for them to partake in it is acceptable because that's the intent or sometimes some of some different rap groups or rappers or whatever might use that just because it's like oh it sounds cool Mm. or something and even the same people who like are quote-unquote allowed to use the thing are also like not approaching it with a respectful intent necessarily Mm. and that's just like yeah we don't have a committee (laughs) And I'm not saying that there should be a committee. Oh, no. That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's just difficult. And I feel like if we just kind of let go, it's probably better. <laughs> 
I'm yeah, yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. I just I think it. I do still think individuals need to basically hold their friends accountable. Yes, you know what I mean. I think that that's what uh, we don't need committees. We need individuals to mm. to hold one another accountable. That's yeah. I mean that really goes for a lot of societies. Yeah, stuff. <laughs> um, but, you know, tell me about the occult because I know we can really. Ooh, ooh. Get what into would you that. like to know? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the. Again, I sort of communicate in ways that open up colloquial understanding to deeper understanding. <laughs> so what is it that people colloquially think about the occult and there are misconceptions about it? And so what actually is it so that we don't have to be so afraid of it or something? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Well, a good a good place a good place to start a really good place to start I think would be to elucidate the difference and this is something that uh, really only people who are in it know about is the distinction between the left hand path and the right hand path. Hmm. That's uh, when people hear about the occult and they think you know they think of like you know blood sacrifices under full moons and mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Uh, even even it doesn't have to be that extreme. You know what I mean. It could be. Uh, Something less nefarious, like uh, I'm not even I'm Witch not even gonna witchcraft putting a hex on someone or something like that. Yeah. You know, for... another thing, hex. Uh, another another point of misunderstanding. Hex just means to put to to, to change something. That's mm -hmm. all to hex something. That's all to hex really means. But even then, people have taken because people are so afraid of the power of of individuals who claim to have advanced power mm -hmm. that anything can become nefarious. And so even just the act of hexing, which as I said, is just to, to inflict change on something, um, has come to mean, you know, uh, throwing misfortune at someone or something like that. <laughs> right. and like, how do you throw misfortune? You don't, you convince them to give themselves misfortune. If you mm -hmm. really want to curse someone, this is going to, this is going to go against the point I'm trying to make. But if you really, <laughs> right. but if you really want to convince, if you really want to curse someone, convince them that they are cursed and then mm -hmm. they curse themselves for you. That's how that kind of magic really works. But yeah. anyway, and, anyway. That, and that's the power of it. Yeah, and that's, exactly. that's kind of through our conversations and like how, my expanded understanding of it is mm -hmm. that like it's real magic, but it's not really magic <laughs> right, right. in the material sense. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but a, a lot of that has to people, even, even people's conception of what real magic versus like not real magic is, has to do a lot with the allegories we used to communicate, occultists used to communicate with one another mm. in olden times. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, there's, um, I'm so sorry, I can't remember the name, but there was a, a Spanish a Spanish alchemist who said once, woe to the seeker who takes literally the rambling allegories of the alchemists for such a one will never enter the inner sanctum of truth. And that's really mm. the heart of it. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. that this, this is all metaphor and it's always been. And yeah. the people who do it know that, but the people who don't, you know, they only hear the words of the analogies and they take them literally and they become frightening because uh, consciousness is a bizarre and complicated mm -hmm. and grotesque thing. And so naturally some of the analogies we concoct to relate its nature to one another they're gonna you know also be those things so yeah. um good sorry what i was gonna <laughs> say about the left hand path right hand path the left hand path is the path of fulfilling for like fulfillment magic wish fulfillment basically mm. which is uh 
really firmly planted in the hand wavy woo side of things if you ask me i know people i mean there are there are things you know um there was a period of time in my own life where i kind of where i was devoted more to the left-hand path of things i wanted to be charismatic i wanted to be influential i never wanted to be powerful because i always understood that power has consequences that Mm. just it's just not worth it influence is what i wanted because Mm. influence rules power you know Mm. what i mean really so even so back when i was that type of a practitioner that's what i would that's what I was interested in um but it's all it's about sacrificing everything aside from what you want to get what you want that's what the left hand path is about mm-hmm. and that's the one that should scare people because honestly the, <laughs> the people that think they're capable of doing things like making sacrifices to bring about changes and things like that you know uh capable of like killing someone's crops to use a dated uh, a dated reference here mm-hmm. um nobody does that anymore anyway so <laughs> um you know, your neighbor killed your cattle, 1800s type of shit, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who believe that they can do that stuff are the ones that are mentally unstable enough to try to harm others to get the job done. You know what yeah. I mean? So, um, as usual, it's not magic that's that people should be afraid of. It's it's people with uh, undiagnosed mental illness practicing magic that people should be afraid of. Sure. Uh, the right-hand path on particular, in, in, in the other hand, sorry, that's the left-hand path is yeah, the kind yeah. of fulfillment. The right-hand path is all about personal, personal development, personal growth. It's about nurturing your surroundings uh, in such a way that produces the things, you know, the, the, uh, the effects you would like to see, which if you're a right-hand practitioner probably have more to do with uh, emotional intelligence, communicative capacity, mm-hmm. and uh, organizational ability, really, more than anything, you know. Mm. Um, there's still there, even within the occult community there's a lot of disagreement as far as how this stuff actually works there's <laughs> Um, there's a general consensus that it does, mm. <laughs> which is kind of, you know, that's, uh, um, kind of, I don't know. It's funny to me. It's funny to me having been in the occult world for so long, mm. but it's really, ha- it's like make it work and then figure out how that's kind of, yeah. you know, that's what a lot of magicians do. It's different. It's a little different for me because I'm working on something so concrete when it comes to the programming and the numbers and things, you know, sure. uh, you know, I'm using it for direct applications, um, but there's uh, most people think it's kind of the psychological model. A lot of you know the, the majority of people think it's like you make changes in your own consciousness that then affect your behavior that bring about mm-hmm. you know the, the the ends you're seeking. So that's one way. Um, I am a little I'm a little weirder than that as far as why I think it actually works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because I think that there's only one mind in this entire physical cosmos. Mm-hmm. I think that all of space time is just a single consciousness. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, in development as it goes more or less and i think that the things that we can the things that i think are the things i desire are actually the things that in some cases are uh, bound for me regardless Mm. you know what i mean it's the kind of is there free will thing a free will and and that's that's another thing too another fun thing that a lot Mm -hmm. of other cultists get onto me about is trying to balance the concept of free will with or the the concept of free will not existing Mm -hmm. with the act of being an occultist yes you know that's something that's uh, a lot of people have a hard time reconciling. It's very difficult to because I don't I don't believe in free will either, and so it's like it's very difficult to explain or even just communicate in such a way that <laughs> is outside of free will grounded communication, mm-hmm. and so. Like, even just communicating intent can be a tricky thing to, like, oh, well, if you don't believe in free will, then it's like, yes, but also, <laughs> like, oh, I 
got up and grabbed a bottle of water to drink. And it's like, uh, to communicate it in non-free will terms, it's like the body <laughs> indicated to the brain that right. it required refilling of liquids. And so mm-hmm. the body... <laughs> I was I was about to say made the decision. It's like no, it didn't. But it's like ambulated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Went to obtain water. <laughs> so it's like we language is already so grounded in that form of communication. It's very difficult to then ground everything else outside of that. And right. so it's like instead, yes, we make decisions, but not in the way that. It seems. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> the uh, the concept. Uh, if if you heard you heard the term true will. Have you, mm. heard, this? Have you heard this? I yeah. haven't. Oh, okay. In, oh, sorry. Yeah. In regard to a, a, a cult thought, the true will is um, discovering one's discovering and enacting one's true will. Capital T, capital W, as he spells it, <laughs> is the uh, the ultimate goal of Thelema, which is the, the philosophical system that Aleister Crowley okay. created. Um, their whole thing, they say that uh, our, our method is science, our aim is religion. That's kind of how they sum up. That's how they, that's how they describe what Thelema is. Hmm. But in Thelema, there's this whole this thing called the Holy, Guardian, the, the Holy Guardian Angel. And the first period of like ritual operation, basically, you're, you know, you, every morning you arise early, you meditate, you go through a series of uh, uh, like mental, physical, and emotional, spiritual exercises, whatever mm-hmm. you want to say. You get warmed up, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then you watch your conduct carefully over the course of like a few months period. You're up to a couple of years time, depending on how long the ritual takes. But you know, you go through all this stuff, this kind of purification and refining process, and then at the end of it, you're supposed to be granted what's called the conversation with the Holy Guardian Angel. Mm. Um, and at that point, the, the Holy Guardian Angel, which is um, kind of like it's like your most effective iteration, I guess, mm-hmm. the most effective, the most effective iteration of yourself you're capable of conceptualizing. Um, you have a conversation with that piece of yourself, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to give you or unveil to you your, your true will, mm-hmm. which is kind of the true will is kind of the reconciliation of the concepts of no free will versus agency. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's the idea that once you discover your true will, if you enact it, um, you are where you are meant to be doing mm-hmm. what you are meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's what am I, what have my experiences best conditioned me to do, you know? Yeah. And so for me, wandering through the library, you know, spending all my times in books, finding the occult diction, the, the occult encyclopedia set when I was 14 years old in the public library section, that's where a lot of this changed for me. <laughs> you know, all those little things in my experience have kind of put me in the trajectory to be what I'm becoming. Mm-hmm. And that's what the true will really is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's it's understanding the connection between the things you've experienced and the things you will commit to mm-hmm. and understanding that that's, that that's an unbroken line. That's, yeah. uh, that's a single phenomenon manifesting itself in two different ways. Yeah. And that phenomenon is your true will. That's mm-hmm. that's the point where that, where agency and the absence of free will kind of meet. You yeah, know? you know what I mean. It's so funny that like, so many people like get turned off by like some of the terminology that mm-hmm. it like. It, that's why like woo is so <laughs> like scary to materialists because like when you say like oh ritual and meditation and all this sort of stuff, it's like oh well that's just. Mm crazy magical thinking type stuff but it's like no what is a ritual what What? is (laughs) meditation and it's literally just like 
being within yourself and like having a list of things that you put intent into so that you can then behave in a certain way. Those are real material things that you are physically doing mm -hmm. that then reshape your behavior in the future. Yeah. But it's not like, it's not magic. But it is magic. Oh, <laughs> and and the, I I hear that often actually yeah. that that kind of sentiment and really what it comes down to is the misunderstanding about what magic is, which I know we've I know you've you've mentioned yeah, yeah. Uh, even just while we've been here today. Um, but it's that's a lot of what it is. People when people hear magic, they associate it with stage magic, mm -hmm. which is technically referred to as conjuration, and mm -hmm. that's that's what it's actually called. Coin conjuring. If you ever see people doing magic with coins, mm -hmm. it's called coin conjuring. That kind of magic to begin with is called conjuring. That's what it's. So it was one of many, many schools, and it is illusion. That stuff was illusion. That was yeah. the point of it. Yeah, you know, um, it was about training one's dexterity and learning how to manage mm -hmm. people's perceptions. There are actual occult lessons hidden in stage magic, and that's yeah. something a lot of people still aren't really comfortable talking about. Yeah, uh, a lot of stage magicians kind of try and distance themselves from, <laughs> you know, because they want to be like a legitimate entertainment venue, but we're like standing there, you know, standing behind the cult glass and you know, going, "Look at me, brother," because they've always <laughs> been us. You know, they've always yeah. been a part of our culture as magicians um but people associate that kind of pageantry and that kind of that illusion you know they associate all of magic with that and that's mm. that's just one application of what, right what we or do. or they associate it with like witches and right right that sort of stuff that it's like well even know, the, the stigma boiling them. pot for make the thing and mm. hexes like we mentioned mm. earlier yeah <laughs> But I mean, you know, in, in an era where there's no, we're in an age where sanitation was not a common thing, <laughs> of course, you know, uh, half crazed women in the middle of nowhere make putting strange things in pots. Of course, it seemed like magic to them. Mm -hmm. You know, you could just be making a nutritious stew to help protect you from the winter time. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> the, 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 uh, the stigma against witches is heavily tied into. Uh, the oppression of the feminine archetype and really mm -hmm. just just women period throughout yeah. society throughout uh, most of human history mm -hmm. uh, all of human history <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so really that, that's where the majority of that comes from but yeah I mean there's there's definitely there's cultural weights mm -hmm. attached to the words that magic uses to describe itself that I do think it keeps at a certain point keeps people from having access to it and now at a, at a, at a point in our history where the world was a little bit smaller and not quite so densely packed that was advantageous because it kept you know, it kept, it gave people of cunning something to look forward to, something to work through, you mm -hmm. know, to be able to interpret the analogies correctly and things. Mm -hmm. And it also kind of helped keep the foolish from mocking what was actually going on. You yeah. Know? You know, I mean, there, you know, you tell people that you're, uh, you know, trying to pull a manticore out of thin air. We'll sure. say, you know, a manticore means something very specifically in occult terms. I won't get into that too much now, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you tell someone you're conjuring a manticore, they'll just look like, oh, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll write you off. But after they've written you off, you are left in peace to do your work. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, there's at a time, there was a time when it was advantageous, but now, um, just the, the speeds of our communication mm -hmm. and the, the information density, which arguably is lowering. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as we go but anyway uh, the signal to noise ratio is fucked <laughs> sorry sorry um uh, as we go it's becoming less and less of an advantage in fact becoming a disadvantage over time and i think right. that for the occult to survive it's gonna this gonna take a, a lot of individuals 
clearly describing what they're doing to the public on the good faith that the public will try to understand. <laughs> you know, that's what it's going to take for the right. occult to survive. The good luck. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Because, um, yeah, that's the the difficult thing is that, like, yeah, persecution comes much more easily nowadays. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy to destroy someone nowadays. So, <laughs> very true. Um, and so, like, it's it's difficult, especially when these things are actually effective. Mm. <laughs> and so the, it's such a strange, uh, I don't know, paradox in American culture that we simultaneously, the, the cultural, we, not the me, we, but <laughs> we simultaneously, take everything so literally and have like a lot of poetry that is meaningless. Mm. <laughs> and we do this all the time with everything. And like, I don't know, like the, the fact that like schools would rather teach math and science and not music and art even though, like we said before, it's all the same thing. Yeah. But also, uh, I was I heard a story about like uh, a mother who had two kids who were going to Catholic school. She had an OnlyFans and was making sexual content, mm -hmm. and basically the mob of the Catholic school uh, angrily used their influence to like expel the two kids from Catholic school, which is such a strange and like stupid and silly thing. Like it would be funny were it not so sad, hmm. but like the, there's a lot of magical thinking in that, hmm. in that like, Oh, in some way, this powerful being of this woman making sexual content is going to, use her magic on first her kids and then to influence our kids mm. and therefore they must be pushed out of our community. Right. But also magic isn't real and you have to study math and science mm. instead of music and art. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, to be honest, there's a time-honored tradition in the Christian church is that the various denominations of refusing to, the, to see themselves as an integral part of the occult current, but like <laughs> they always have been. Mm -hmm. I mean, for God's sake, they're eating flesh and drinking blood. Yeah. Like, I mean, Catholics and Lutherans. Right, right. right. Not the rest. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but all of them partake in ritual. All mm -hmm. of them. There's, there's sacred ceremonial vestments. Mm -hmm. There is a church... Mm -hmm. just, <laughs> a holy physical yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, the it's just they're they're that all the trappings are there, mm -hmm. and they still refuse them to see themselves as a part of it. But I mean, that's part of kind of what makes Christianity Christianity is the whole mm -hmm. have no other gods before me. That whole thing. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Yahweh was a Canaanite deity of storms and warfare. So, <laughs> um, you know. Anyway, uh, yeah. sorry. There's you a know. lot of war in the Bible. Right, right. No, I, I know. I'm just, it's just it's interesting <laughs> to me that like the Christian God, like used to be the Canaanite God. Mm. <laughs> but there, there's the, such this assertion of dominance of one mythology over another mm. in that region. It's just, I mean, it, one right. of the things that blows my mind about Christianity. Although 
the Crusades had had the Crusades not happened, I think Christianity might have stood a chance of actually doing something good on this planet. Mm. But the Crusades happened, so <laughs> <laughs> you know we have to like come up with something else to do. Right? Yeah. Well, the the manifest destiny thinking yeah. came oh, so, long before America and oh, it's not, was eaten. It's not just that; it's the absolute extermination of the occult content of the occult current from christianity the gnostic mm-hmm. current i mean christians had an occult sect we they were the gnostics mm-hmm. one of the most you know one of the most famous sects was called the uh, the brethren of the holy spirit and they <laughs> did things like running soup kitchens and mm-hmm. like you know uh, like shelters and things like that and they were absolutely stamped out of existence because the the crown perceived them to be a threat <laughs> you know what i mean so there's you know uh I feel about Christianity the way I feel about a lot of people, a lot of things descended from um, Western Europe, uh, is that they destroyed aspects of their own culture. Mm. And now it's like they don't feel like anyone has a right to those pieces of their own culture either. You know what I mean? It's (laughs) like they, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Right, right. Well, I mean, it's, it's not even just within cultures, but it's like within people as mm. well and yeah. so like the the concept of marriage as well is like something that like you own a woman so that mm. she can only reproduce with you and it's like used to just like make family ties so that we can perpetuate the monarchy but like it's right. it's not like arguably the least efficient <laughs> familial system just by the way sure but it's like now we've gotten rid of the utility mm of marriage and now it's just like a cultural thing that it's like well one let me acknowledge the elephant that is i am married but (laughs) but like i don't own my wife and she doesn't own me yeah uh but we partook in a ritual Mm -hmm. to show our love for each other and that is something special and i value that hmm. but it doesn't mean that i have ownership of her <laughs> right, right. or that she has ownership of me yeah. but like that sort of conceptual thing is like yeah we killed all of the <laughs> all of the purpose of marriage and only kept the like shitty parts <laughs> yeah and like and so now we're just using it to like abuse our wives <laughs> and and in every other aspect, but that's like one of the more secular ones mm-hmm. that's like we still do this, even though like probably a lot of people that get married don't even really know why anymore. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's expected of them. Yeah. yeah. I've known I've known some people. I'm not going to name any names here, <laughs> but I've known some people who kind of expressed that to me before the point that they actually got married. Of course, after, I mean, you know, there uh, certain things happen in the brain and it doesn't matter why you did it anymore because you've done it and the changes begin to begin yes. to take place. You know? <laughs> um, but beforehand, though, I've known some people who've expressed to me, like, I don't really know. Like, is this what I want? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, 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 it, gets, it, gets, it gets reduced to like cold feet. But I think that really we as a society might benefit from like actually taking those moments and like scrutinizing them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, okay, what cultural institutions are we carrying forward into the future with us? And like, who do those cultural institutions actually serve? You know yeah. what I mean? Um, I think that that's an important question. I also noticed that, sorry, it occurs to me, I also noticed that um, the majority of the the majority of cultures on earth that use marriage as a form of ownership to repress the women in their society, yeah. it almost exclusively evolves from cultures that took to uh, 
raising cattle hmm. and livestock. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of indigenous cultures are, are matriarchies. Choctaw, mm. the Choctaws, my own people, we were a matriarchy before the Europeans showed up. Um, and we never, you know what I mean? It's, it's only, mm-hmm. it's only the people who like raise goats and cows and sheep, the people who, uh, take to the cultural notion that they are capable of owning another living thing in the first place, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because, uh, Choctaws don't have that. We don't own a goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. We're on this land. This land takes care of us. And so mm-hmm. we try to do our best to return the favor. You know what I mean? It's the, the, the cultural perspectives are completely different, but like, there's not even room yeah. in the Choctaw thinking that we didn't, we didn't, then some are nowadays. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of garbage Choctaw men. <laughs> <laughs> and I see you, and I don't appreciate what you're doing. But you know, we weren't. There, of course, there was always. There's always scoundrels. But like, yeah. marriage wasn't ownership until the Europeans got here. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, sorry to single out the Europeans again. I know some very fine European individuals. I'm not sorry about singling out the I mean, Europeans. It's only the real Europeans I know that I'm afraid of offending. The people from France, the people from Ireland. Oh, like, sure, sure. Y'all are good people. I'm talking about, you know, the ones y'all sent over aren't doing so hot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, like, the while I am in some part indigenous to the Americas, right. uh, a large proportion of my genes come from Europe. Yeah. Because who the hell wasn't colonized, you know? (laughs) And so like, again, kind of going back to the idea of like, uh, killing the colonizer within you Mm -hmm. and all of the ideas that come from that sort of, uh, conquistador thinking (laughs) and letting go of that and just embracing everyone and who they are and what they can be (laughs) so going further into the occult i guess sort of explaining more of the misconceptions what is a ritual what is a artifact what what are these things that like i feel like these are concepts that people can actually get a lot of value from Mm -hmm. if they understood them better uh, rather than being so disavowed to them that they like would never allow themselves to follow that train of thought. I gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I would agree that there's a lot of benefit to be had. I mean, I I used to be much more preachy than I am now, even even (laughs) if you can believe that about the occult, Uh, I used to think uh, same with psychedelics. I used to think that they were for absolutely everyone and would tell everyone who had the chance to get on in there and get in there and try it. But I'm not quite so gung ho nowadays, but there's still a lot of people that I think would gain a lot of benefit from it. So you asked, um, well, the two, we'll just go with the two you named to, sure, to sure. start it out here. The you know, what is a ritual? What is an artifact? Yeah, yeah. Um, you mean or a talisman or whatever? Okay, okay. <laughs> well, those, those are all different things. No, um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, so They're different words making them different. Yeah, things. yeah. Um, okay, so <laughs> gonna gonna approach the what is a ritual question like this. <laughs> so um, your. Hold on here. We'll, we'll just take a look outside real quick. Okay, yeah. yeah. The uh, this thing you have grow you have circled around your tree out front, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the earth inside of that circle mm-hmm. is still a part of your yard, mm-hmm. but that circle of your yard is devoted to that tree, right? Yes. This is what rituals are to your time. Yeah. You know, there is the space that you have available, and then there is the ways in which you 
uh, encapsulate and specialize your use of time. And that's really what a ritual is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, um, you approach it with a consistent set of terms mm-hmm. for understanding what you're doing. Yeah. There's a, there's a, the repetition of it is an aspect. Uh, a buddy of mine, he used to say that right makes rote all the time, mm-hmm. which is, it honestly, it's one of the, it's still one of the most elegant explanations for what a ritual is that I've ever heard. Um, mm-hmm. It's the things that you do with your time. Most often you are going to become better at. Mm-hmm. It's that, it's that basic, it's, I mean, it's a basic understanding. It, it, it's happened actually before time and again that I've explained to people what rituals really are. And they're like, oh, oh really? That's it? Yeah. That's it, because it's things that we already know to exist. Yeah, you know, and it's just it's just explorations of the potentials inside those concepts. Yeah, that's where the occult really takes flight. You know, it's things that you're familiar with. It's just looking a little deeper into them. So, with something like a ritual, it's about, I mean, I mean, okay, okay, you know, you, you're brushing your teeth is a ritual. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, having a cup of coffee when you wake up that's a ritual. Mm-hmm. Driving to work every day, going to work every day mm-hmm. that's a ritual for conjuring wealth into your life. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm being literal. I'm not yeah. being snarky. This is these are all. Con- Concerts are yeah. musical rituals. It's yeah, collective been perhaps occult in some ways. Oh yeah. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I did. You know, uh, I did also happen. To, I went to school for sociology. Mm-hmm. You know, I said when I was at uh, when I was in Tulsa, that, that's what I was there for. And so, studying ritual, like I was already versed in the occult before I got there. Mm-hmm. So the the professors I had, they all kind of they seemed to appreciate the perspective I was able to contribute because, mm-hmm. like, I got that that's ritual. You know what I mean? The, when yeah. they when they introduced me to Goffman and the collect the, the concept of collect of effervescence mm-hmm. and the creation of uh you know totems and things I, I just said oh my god you know these are the words i've been looking for you yeah. know so um that's things that's things we're aware of it's uh it's about as a magician so so it's about understanding from one what rituals are which is anything you do often mm-hmm. really that's that's it but for a magician it comes and there's a point where you stop just trying to to be able to keep a ritual, you know, once you can actually establish a habit, that's like a baseline skill. Mm-hmm. But after that point, you have to figure out, okay, what am I actually going to spend my time on? Mm-hmm. Because you gain access to the understanding that, okay, the things I spend my time on, I do, I get better at, or, mm-hmm. you know, the, those parts of me develop. And so there's something uh, that's almost... Um, there's something intimate about the rela- the way the relationship with oneself changes once you learn what a ritual actually is. You know what I yeah. mean? Because it makes your time more valuable to you mm-hmm. in a way. Um, so that's what a ritual is. Yeah. Just using your time in a structured way regularly with intent. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was using the examples of artifact, talisman. Yes, they're different things, but like items that have significance in some form of... <laughs> okay. Value that we put into them. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, what's the question here? I'm right, sorry. right. Well, what is? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> what, what are they? Yeah. Um, hmm. I use so many analogies, and I feel so bad if there's any uh, any uh, people it's a on great the great way of learning things. Yeah, it, it is, it is. <laughs> but I've had uh, in the past, I've had friends who were on the autism spectrum who were interested in this stuff too. And let me tell you, learning, uh, getting past my own barriers to be able to communicate with them mm. was a nightmare. Mm. <laughs> it's hard to do. It's hard to talk about the occult without using analogy because the very nature of the occult directly addresses analogy. Yeah. So it's hard to do sometimes. I've still managed to. I mean, there's you know, there's uh, there are things that can be talked about in concrete terms i'm just not particularly good at it <laughs> so, um let's see i 
All right. In order to kind of explain what those are, I guess, like enchanted objects, enchanted items mm. kind of thing yeah, is, yeah. we'll go with uh, to go with RPG terms here. Um, <laughs> I use them often there. You'd be surprised how handy of a tool our RPG lingo is for explaining the occult to people. Um, <laughs> what is RGB, by the way? What is no, R- R- no RPG? Oh, RPG. Sorry, Ro- role playing sorry. games. I oh my god, misheard. <laughs> yeah, role playing games. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> enchanted items, right? Uh, okay, so the ego, the ego of the self, the ego is an enchanted item. Mm. The ego is the the intent, the enchanted item that the self uses to persevere, in spite of its own. Um, nothingness i guess we'll say the, <laughs> the ego is the that is that object which brings it into being because it's a focal point for its activities um this seems like a digression but i swear to god it's not <laughs> um, uh, you know if anyone so, so if you ever go to a mall if anyone goes to fucking malls anymore right um you don't know you, yeah, actually don't. yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's been years but but i remember um the kiosk the the like the like you are here kiosk you know mm-hmm. the ego is a you are here sticker mm-hmm. you know what i mean it exists purely to give a point of reference yeah in the way giving a point of reference <laughs> would is, is the the intention that you encode into the ego over the course of involving it in your experiences mm-hmm. by using the ego regularly it develops mm-hmm. This is basically what makes an enchanted item an enchanted item as well. Yeah, it's the it's the regular, just like like the um, the ritual is you know using using your time in a structured manner regularly with intent. Uh, the artifacts, the implements in a ritual, the 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 items you're using to accomplish the ritual would be called the implements or the weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just what they're called. <laughs> but um. You know those, those those gather those accumulate mm-hmm. the mental consequence, the mental mm-hmm. and emotional consequence of the rituals undertaken, basically. Yeah. So whereas the ritual is like the regular period of time used to express, the artifact is the concrescence, I guess, mm-hmm. of um, the changes you. Inv- oh God, this is all right. Well, right, sliding. It's... Sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, but I. I always use the example of like a wedding ring mm. is charged yep. with your energy mm. because you have taken part in a ritual mm. that gives it power yeah. and meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so any other ring that you might buy from any random, like if you go to forever 21, pay $3 for like a ring right. that won't have the same value nor power, nor energy, I'm Mm. using these words intentionally, that a wedding ring will, Mm -hmm. regardless of what its actual value is, whether you spent $3,000 on it or like 50. It it still has more of your energy than any other thing would. What distinguishes your energy from the energy surrounding you? <laughs> what makes no? No, I'm serious. I'm serious. This is for, the, for me. This is um, this is delving into kind of the side of the occult that I appreciate, which is theory. Mm. I love it. Um, <laughs> but really, but really, what makes what makes an individual's energy more potent than the energy that surrounds them? Uh, because of my ego, I guess. Like it's, a, I am the one who like considers this to be my energy in it okay. <laughs> and so it's like it's my wedding ring is not an important item to anyone else right 
<laughs> and so like that's not transferable energy necessarily because it's mm. well there are ways of transferring it but that's not immediately transferable as you know money might be but like i'm still unwilling to part from my wedding ring if you offer me any amount of money and so like the so what confers its value is the fact that it can't be communicated in a way in a way sure <laughs> is that not bizarre <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just taking a second that's, that's really uh that's yeah, yeah usual but i mean it's you're you're right though i think that's that's actually that's absolutely what i'm getting at yeah is that what do you have what makes my power my power mm-hmm. or your power your power or whatever is what am I capable of giving away? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's kind of, that's where, how I uh, distinguish it a lot. Um, good God. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I do have some language processing issues, so kind of trying to keep it together. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? I'm sorry. Uh, well, actually, just to your point about uh, transferring of energy is is something that, like, I had sort of said as a side note that like there are ways of transferring that energy and sort of like you can spend time with someone else and communicate that like, oh, this is something that is very special to me. And you can sort of relay to them that like this item does have value. And maybe over time you can convince them that it does have value. That's kind of what con men do, but (laughs) in a negative way, but in a way there's a magic thing that's happening whenever con artist hey artist oh is <laughs> selling you a shitty car absolutely <laughs> absolutely that's glamour that's glamour that's one of the big seven mm. <laughs> you know illusion whatever sir so, um yeah <laughs> even even in that instance though even in the instance where you take the time and you invest your energy into convincing the other individual that the ring has worth it's still it's the, not the same yeah it's like meta worth almost yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? it's like it's only worth something to them because it's worth something to you and they value you so they value it mm-hmm. you know what i mean or they value your connection to it even yeah. then it's not the same yeah so uh i don't think it really can be transferred as again sure. part of what i was getting at it's, it's what do i have the ability to actually give away you mm-hmm. know what can i what can i make use of you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and it's always it's always gonna whether whether or not you take the time to convince someone that this ring possesses that energy and it's mm-hmm. you know as worth or whatever um they still have to okay that you know what i mean yeah, so yeah. in a way it's not your energy they are they are agreeing to contribute their energy mm-hmm. to your own to the vector you are kind of supplying yours yeah. in which is actually it's another i mean that that's that's group ritual right there. That's that's a that's a working definition for yeah. group rituals. When someone uh, consents to contributing their consciousness uh, to a stated intention in common, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That's that's a group ritual, which yeah. is way different um, in terms of application from mm-hmm. personal ritual. You know, it's very yeah, different, yeah. very different. I don't do group rituals often at all because it's really difficult to organize. <laughs> it's really hard. Because everyone has to be on the same terms. <laughs> yeah, like completely, completely. Like imagine, imagine, okay, so if you've ever seen like philosophy students hang out or something, mm. it's like that, but worse. <laughs> <laughs> because there's gonna be like a four to five hour period before the ritual even before you even start designing the ritual, you have mm. to make sure, absolutely sure, that everyone's terms mean the same thing. That yeah. when I say these words, they mean what you hear. You know mm. what I mean? It's a lot of work. It was the same thing with like legal contracts, actually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. the first several pages of a contract, depending on like the gravity of it, are just devoted to 
defining terms mm-hmm. to be like, when we refer to this, it means this and only this. And we can also shorten it to this. Mm-hmm. And that's every other instance that it occurs in this contract. It means this. <laughs> okay. Yep. Now the next word, <laughs> it's just like every single thing. And that's why mm-hmm. like lawyers spend so much time in school because they're in a way they're also unpacking the literature of like these words have meaning and they have an effect on mm-hmm. the real world. <laughs> lawyers are occult practitioners of a really shitty system that we made <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty bad it's pretty yeah. bad but yeah corporate magic is actually its own thing and there's there's like whole schools devoted to i mean uh, li- not literally you know what i mean sure, if, sure. if there are i want to meet you people but <laughs> you know there's entire schools of thought devoted to corporate magic in and of itself which you know mm-hmm. some lawyers yeah branding obviously if brand yeah. if brand if branding is not black magic i don't know what the fuck is yeah, yeah you know what i mean really um that's pure left-hand path that is pure left-hand path yeah um so I, if any oh sorry go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no uh i do have a question about why is one left hand and right hand mm-hmm. there there are like again connotations associated with what the right hand means what the left hand means yeah. and it's like me being left-handed is like hey wait a second like you know yeah, yeah, no, I, I i am too <laughs> i find the energy surrounding this weird so <laughs> what yeah. why is left hand and right hand i'm left-handed too um, but, uh, but also it's, it's entirely descended from the Judeo-Christian paradigms, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, it's, it's, uh, the Judeo-Christian influence on really John D, John mm-hmm. D's influence on Aleister Crowley, mm-hmm. Aleister Crowley's influence on the rest of the occult world to present. So honestly, okay. it's, it's entirely inherited from the, uh, the, sure. although, although even in the Bible, even in the Bible, all the judges were left-handed. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. And actually, <laughs> and actually the reason for that stems from, um, Judaic mysticism, mm-hmm. uh, Kabbalah, which is, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, um, the Semitic, uh, not Semitic, sorry, the uh, the Judaic occult current, I Is guess. Is it Hasidic? No, no, no. The, the, the Hasids are, are a specific type of Kabbalah. Okay. There's there's lots of different types of Kabbalah. <laughs> so, uh, Merkabah is one of the most interesting to me because their uh, path to enlightenment is what they term... Um, uh, deriving the measurements of the body of God. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an interesting one. They're in, uh, one of the kind of geometry sects. But, I mean, that's there's a lot of really complicated geometric objects hidden inside of the numerical relationships of the Aleph bed itself. So, I mean, the, the uh, Judaism is brimming with magic. Absolutely yeah, yeah. fucking brimming with magic. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. sorry. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, the left hand and the right hand, that's uh, uh, derives from the Kabbalist relationship between... Uh, chesed and Gavura, which mm. are uh, you know mercy and judgment, mm. um, and le- left hand being the judgment hand. You know, sure. Okay, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, uh, I wonder if uh, so. In <laughs> of course, to talk about all these grandiose things and then make an analogy to video games in a uh, Jade Empire. Uh, did you ever play Jade Empire? Uh, Is a Bioware game back oh, okay. when Bioware still made good RPGs. Gotcha. The uh, <laughs> the like good and evil. Pass or uh, uh, open hand and closed fist. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I feel like that's a, a yeah. more apt comparison of like okay, okay. punching someone versus like, right. you know, the hand being open. So you can either like give with the open hand or mm-hmm. at least smack someone with more position, at least. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think it, the Sorry, hearing the open and closed hand makes me think of. Um, there's a concept in uh, Buddhism uh, of the uh, the five skandhas, and the skandhas are sorry, skandhas. I'm sorry, really, really fucking up the pronunciation. S k a n d h a s. Say it yourself if you want. Um, mm-hmm. 
there's this notion there they are the five kind of illusory constructs that keep individuals uh identifying with their experiential physical selves you know what i mean mm-hmm. um uh, but but you know they're, they're like into the hand because there's this idea that when the fist is closed you know it's these things there's uh you know mental constructs and uh you know sensory the sensory perception or the sensory field and its attendant perceptions mm-hmm. you know there's these five different things that that compose the illusory self you know what i mean mm-hmm. and there's this idea that once you understand that these processes are just that only processes that it's the opening of the hand and the self ceases to be mm-hmm. um that's good so when you said the open fist closed fist that's what it made me think <laughs> of, but yeah um, those don't necessarily relate to left hand right hand or left hand right hand so i might have just undermined my own point but, <laughs> but it is uh like with everything a analogy by which we can <laughs> make some other form of relation <laughs> let's go with it yeah uh so i guess to close off where would you suggest that people begin if they are interested in thinking in this way <laughs> Oh, I'm trying. You know, I'm trying to think of a place I can send people that won't suck. Because there's a lot yeah. of, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the signal, the signal to noise ratio is fucked, and that's true in a lot of different cultural venues, mm. um, especially in the cult. So, definitely, definitely not any of the Facebook groups. I'll be completely honest. Don't <laughs> don't even waste your time. If you join any Facebook groups about the occult, the only reason you should be there is to pilfer their files. Uh, mm. The the files, you know, a lot of people still don't know that there's file storage or whatever in Facebook groups. But if you do join any of them, that's the only reason to be there. Is they're gonna have good books. Um, don't waste any time on the discussions. If you would like um, to get in touch with their, and honestly, they're a little bit, they're a few years past their prime. You know, it's difficult because there's not really any magical organizations that are like at the forefront of operations right now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, the last major kind of revival we had was the DKMU. Mm-hmm. Um, and the DKMU is still around. They're, uh, they're present. They have, um, you know, you can seek them out on Discord. Uh, there's a Reddit as well. There's um, It's DKMU. It stands for Domu Keo and Marauder Underground. And they were two occult organizations that joined forces in the early 2000s to become a single thing. Um, they was concurrent with the development of a god form named Ellis, but that's a whole different thing. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the DKMU uh, is a good place to start. Um, otherwise, oh, man, just read. Read yeah. as much as you can. That's, yeah. Uh, Baudrillard, um, you know, uh, 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 Nemozine is a good, is a good mm. book uh, for starting in. Uh, should people start with Aleister Crowley or? No. No? No. No, <laughs> no one should ever start. With the thing about Aleister Crowley is he had a career. I mean, he was a accomplished academic mathematician, mm. you know, cryptographer, all of this. By the time he even started to compose the Lama, you know mm. what I mean? Um, so you, the, it requires quite a bit of um, background in higher mathematics and, <laughs> and comparative religion to be able to understand anything he was saying with any clarity, to be honest. The Soldier and the Hunchback. There was one essay he did that you don't really need any primer for it. it's called the soldier and the hunchback and it's about the relationship between wonder and curiosity as a driving force mm. i would recommend that now that i cool. think about it i would absolutely recommend that um <laughs> so yeah if you can find the soldier and the hunchback um maybe don't start there but stop out there you know <laughs> cool yeah. uh well thank you so much for doing this with me uh absolutely. where can we find you and your things once uh, again yeah, yeah. Um, Slide Angel Scribe on Instagram, all one word. Uh, I haven't posted in a while, but I uh, 
got some new content planned coming up. <laughs> Everyone is supposed to say big things coming soon. Oh, yeah. Regarding big, social big, media. Big things coming soon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. Well, it's just like... <laughs> Everyone is supposed to pretend that big things are coming soon, right, right. regardless of if any big things are actually coming soon. That's the just... thing about me is that they are, but I don't really give a fuck if anyone's there to notice them. <laughs> um, if you are, that's amazing. But uh, I will still get fulfillment out of them otherwise. Yeah. So. It's for you first. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, awesome. Again, thank you so much. I'm Santiago Ramones. I'm Joseph Arthur Clark. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. Bloom is available now, streaming everywhere. Put it on in the background or show it to your friends so you can all enjoy it together. You can also buy it on Bandcamp and get bonus content so you can sit alone in the dark with your headphones on and listen to the album in its entirety while reading and looking at the bonus content. I also make music with PowerCycle, an experimental electronic trio. Our first completely improvised album, Too Many Damn Cables, is streaming everywhere. To support this podcast, leave reviews, comments, tell your friends about it, and buy my music, because by supporting me, you're supporting the podcast. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are, love never fails, it's going to be okay, I might be wrong.